Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Sully Baseball. This is the podcast where we talk about baseball 52 weeks out of the year. There is no offseason. And I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. It's a beautiful sunny day, and I'm recording this outside. Why not? I'm in Burbank, California, the birthplace of former Baltimore Oriole, California Angel. And for about a week, you know, maybe a week and a half, St. Louis Cardinal third baseman, Doug DeSensei. It is an absolutely stunning day here in Southern California. We are about, you know, let's just say about 10 days away from opening day. I think that's right. I know it's less than two weeks away. I'm coming up with my picks. Your pal Sully is coming up with his picks. Now, I'm telling you where I'm leaning right now. I'm leaning towards the Astros repeating not only as American League champions, but as world champions. And I am pitting them against the Washington Nationals. That's not my official pick, but looking at the teams, looking at how things are folding, you know, are unfolding, you know what? I'm taking a good, hard, long look at this Astros team and thinking, I can't, I can't see a flaw. I cannot see a flaw. Now, they won the World Series last year against Los Angeles. Uh, Los Angeles could certainly win it all. Uh, they're, winning it all is the lone thing on the resume of a birthday boy today, Clayton Kershaw, that needs to be fulfilled. And the strange thing is, is that when I did the Who Owns the World Series last year, it turns out that Clayton Kershaw's who owns, you know, when I do who owns October, who owns the World Series, Clayton Kershaw was tied along with Verlander and uh, I think it was Charlie Morton for the highest wows total of one and a half because Kershaw pitched a great game one of the World Series, which he won. And he came out of the bullpen and threw four shutout innings in game seven. And the only thing that kept that from being one of those, that from being his Madison Bumgarner moment was the fact that Hugh Darvish got his ass kicked. And let's face it, Roberts left in Darvish too long. After that first inning, everyone could see, okay, Darvish doesn't have it. And if Kershaw had four innings in him, four innings of shutout ball, you could think, A, why didn't he start the game? But B, if you know, if that Astros had only scored like two or maybe three runs, the, it was the fact that they scored five that just made it seem, you know, insurmountable. Because in a way, that would have been Kershaw's great moment. I mean, the comparison of Bumgarner to Kershaw is a comparison you hear a lot here on the West Coast. In terms of the regular season, there's no comparison. There's absolutely no comparison between the two. I mean, if you look at just some, just by the raw numbers, this is not taking anything away from Madison Bumgarner, who has been a very good and sometimes outstanding regular season pitcher. But, I mean, like one, two, three, four, five of the last seven ERA titles have been won by Kershaw. You know, he's 
consistent. I mean, whether or not you're into the wins and losses, you know, the innings he piles up, the complete games he piles up, the strikeouts he piles up, his ERA plus, which he's always in the lead for, his whip, which is always, you know, microscopic, you know, leading the league in the lowest, you know, the lowest hits per nine innings, the highest strikeout per nine, the best strikeout per walk ratio. And in the last, uh, let's say, seven years, the lowest he's finished in the Cy Young vote has been fifth. And that's only because he was injured and missed about 10 starts in 2016, a year that he was on pace to having the best season of his incredible career. He is a Hall of Famer now. Now. And, you know, he had two bad innings against Houston. The wild 13 to 12 game, he was given a four to one lead. And again, you know, Robert stayed with him a little too long trying to get him through that fifth inning. You know, I mean, if the Dodgers had won that game, you know, a game they scored 12 runs, if they had won without Clayton Kershaw winning the clinching game, would that have taken away for, does that take away from his legacy? If he gets a championship and he's not the huge superstar on the team as they win the championship, I, I mean, a lot of this legacy stuff to me is kind of crazy. You, you know, no one pointed to the fact that Greg Maddox lost some big, big games with as a member of the Atlanta Braves. And they when and he didn't win the clinching game. He had a chance to clinch the world championship for the Braves, and he didn't. He got rocked in Cleveland in game five. It was Tommy Glavin who came out and won the final game and wound up winning the World Series MVP. You know, Roger Clemens lost some big I mean do you need to be the winner on that? In some ways, that's just the one thing on his resume that he doesn't have. And believe me, Los Angeles can certainly win the World Series this year. They are a big-time contender. And I live here. You know, I mean, I spend a lot of time in the Silicon Valley for work reasons and everything like that, and for family reasons. But my, my residence is here in Southern California. It would be fun to see. So it's, it's happy birthday to Clayton Kershaw, who is one of the greatest pitchers I've ever seen in my life. Absolutely. And he's one of the greatest pitchers you've ever seen. Now, I personally am a little biased towards the pitchers who dominated during the steroid era. So that would be the Pedro Martinez's, the Randy Johnson's, the Kurt Schilling's, I'll say it, the Greg Maddox's, the Tommy Glavin's, those pitchers who put up great numbers as starting pitchers when the players were, you know, looking like the Michelin man and the high, low, outside and inside strike were taken away and the mound was low. Oh, all the stuff, all the advantages, the ballparks were smaller, the armor was put in, pitchers couldn't throw inside. And if those pitchers, throwing against super steroided out batters, those pitchers could put up great huge numbers, uh, those are the ones I tip my hat to. The same way I put more emphasis on the hitters who hit in a great pitcher's era like the 60s. I put more emphasis on the Frank Robinson, on the Willie Mays, on the Henry Aarons, 
on the Orlando Cepedas, the people who dominated when the pitchers were dominating. And so, but with that in mind, Kershaw is one of those elite talents. He's one of those people that, oh, Kershaw's pitching today. I should probably watch. And he should be one of those figures that even casual baseball fans want to see play. And he has this hanging over his head, the fact that he's had some colossal bedwetting in the postseason. And, you know, you can't deny that to to a degree that's true. There's a guy who regularly his ERA is either in the low twos or the high ones. You know, three times since 2013, he's finished the season with an ER, a sub-two ERA. And yet his career ERA in the postseason is 4-3-5, which isn't horrible, but it's not ace quality. And the fact that, you know, the, he, in between 2013 and 2014, he, against St. Louis, he pitched four games against the Cardinals and lost all four of them. And got rocked in a critical game, in a critical game against the Cubs, a clinching game in 2016. And there have been a bunch of times they said, look it, our season's on the line, we hand the ball to you. And whether it's letting up a Matt Adams homer or just getting clobbered by St. Louis in 2013, or by Chicago in 2016, yeah, that does hang on you a little bit. That does hang you because that's your job. Hand the ball to you. You got to win it. So it, it isn't fair. Legacies aren't always fair. And Kershaw's legacy is of an all-time great starting pitcher who's had some bad, bad luck in the postseason. It just takes one. It really it just takes one. The he can't win a championship hung over John Elway until the end of his career. It hung over Julius Irving towards the end until he won in the end of his career. And it would be so much sweeter and it makes everything else becomes prologue. Justin Verlander had his postseason yips. Certainly in the two World Series that he played in, as a member of the Detroit Tigers, he got clobbered by St. Louis in, 20, in 2006, and he left the first two of the home runs to Pablo Sandoval in 2012. And he, all of that is washed away for Verlander because of his success with last year with Houston. And I think I just answered my own question because... The Astros handed him the ball in a potential World Series clinching game, and while he pitched well, he lost the game. Now, the Astros went on to win the game, to win the World Series the next day, but Verlander has nothing to answer for. He's a Hall of Famer, like Kershaw, former not only Cy Young Award winner, but MVP. And the one thing he didn't have on his resume was the title. And so if the Dodgers win the title this year, and they are one of the teams that have an outstanding chance of doing so, you know what? Check that off the list. And then we can just celebrate Kershaw without 
all this other BS. By the way, speaking about celebration without any BS, what year is it? What, what year are we talking about here? It's 2018, isn't it? Now, I am, even though I'm here in Southern California and I follow West Coast baseball a lot and I've had rooting interest for the Giants to win the World Series and now I'm living here and it would be really fun to see the Dodgers win the World Series and I, I wouldn't mind seeing the Angels winning simply because the best player in baseball should win a ring for the team that he's come up with. So part of me would like to see Mike Trout win. And I've had a tremendous time cheering for Oakland, especially when I got to know Sean Doolittle a little bit and got to watch the really fun A's team. I'm still a Boston fan. I grew up in New England. The Red Sox are still my team. And I was getting out of bed this morning, get myself dressed, brushing the proverbial teeth, shaving my furry face, and it hit me. It's 2018, and that's a year. It's just a year. There's no added significance to the Red Sox and our fandom, except the fact that the Red Sox have won the last two division titles. Uh, if, you know, you sort of you break it down. If David Price has a good year, Chris Sale has a good year, some of the players who had down years like Xander Bogarts and Hanley Ramirez, if they wind up playing well and J.D. Martinez is a good fit, then the Red Sox have a chance to certainly compete for a division title, but certainly be a team that is playing in October, maybe make one of the two wild card spots, or maybe make a run for three straight division titles. Notice what I'm doing. I'm just talking baseball. I'm just talking analysis, that if this happens and that happens and this breaks and that breaks, then they have a chance to win the World Series. I don't think they're the odds-on favorite. They're not the odds-on favorite to even win the division. People are picking the Yankees left and right. I probably would, too. Uh, they're not the odds-on win to win the pennant. I think the Astros have to be prohibitive favorites to win the pennant, with a lot of attention being put to, of course, the Yankees and to Cleveland. And keep an eye on Minnesota and the Angels, because they may be good, too. Notice what we're not saying. We're not talking curses. We're not talking ghosts. We're not talking no-no Nanette. All that's gone. All of that is gone because of 2004. And in fact, if you use the rule of seven, which if you're new to the Sully Baseball podcast, you know that I believe that you don't really start following a sports team until you're around seven years old. The Red Sox won the World Series in 2004. That's 14 years ago. So if you're, if you're under 21, if you're a Red Sox fan who's under 21 years old, you don't really have any memory of what it was like to say, they may never win it in my lifetime. You can legally buy a beer in Massachusetts and say, yeah, the whole Curse of Bambino thing, that was before my time. That was before my time. And not only that, but if you're that younger fan, you may have only a hazy memory of 2004, then you probably have a clear memory of 2007 and a concrete memory of 2013. 
So the idea of the Red Sox winning a championship isn't this once-in-a-lifetime concentric circles, planets aligning fluke moment in history, but something that could happen if they play well. Isn't that so much better? Because think about what this year would have been. It's 2018. If they didn't win the World Series in 2004, and of course, subsequently in 07 and 13, but if they didn't win any of those, and we saw how close they were to not winning in, 20, in 2004, they were down three games none to the Yankees. We saw how close they were to not winning in 2007. They were down 3-1 to the Cleveland Indians facing CC Sabathia. And of course, the Detroit Tigers were a better team than the Red Sox. They just happened to blow two games, primarily on the Grand Slam by Ortiz in Game 2 and the Grand Slam by uh, Shane Victorino in Game 6. Two games started by Max Scherzer that the bullpen blew were the difference between the Red Sox going to the World Series and Detroit going to the World Series. And Detroit should have. Detroit was a more talented team than Boston was that year. I'll say it. But if those three things didn't happen, and we were still waiting, still waiting for a title, this would be the 100th anniversary of the 1918 World Series, and that would be all we would goddamn here all year. Sorry, Ray. Sorry, Ray, for saying goddamn, and sorry, Ray, for bringing up the Tigers being better than the Red Sox in 2013, which they were. Imagine what a living hell this would be for Red Sox fans if this was an entire year of, well, it's been a hundred years with the Red Sox century. It would be absolutely unbearable. And if the Yankees would have acquired Giancarlo Stanton and be lining up for a championship run and say it's been a hundred years Using the rule of seven, you'd have to be a hundred years, a hundred years old and being wheeled around Malden, Massachusetts with your, you know, just look at an old senile man or woman with no real memory of it. That would be the whole year. And they'd be chanting shit at us. Been a hundred years, 1918. Oh, and they'd be lining up the clips. We'd have to watch the Babe Ruth shot of him winking at the camera. We'd have to see the Johnny Pesky not throwing home as Ina Slaughter came, to, came around to score. We'd have to see Luis Aparicio falling around in third. We'd have to watch game seven of the 75 World Series, the Bucky Dent home run. We'd have to see the, the, the you know, they'd show the World Series and with the Buckner era. And imagine, just imagine, if the Red Sox hadn't won the World Series in those three years and the Yankees were going to go on another great championship run, and who's their manager? Aaron Effin Boone. Now, it's funny that Aaron Boone never really became the big villain in Boston because the very next year they won. There wasn't enough time to ferment his status as a, a moment in Red Sox history. You know, it just that would it wouldn't be there. 
And, and you know, it, instead, I think the Boone home run is just the pre the prelude to the you know the championship in two thousand four. But just imagine if you know, the Yankees had won that series in two thousand four. We'd be seeing, oh, then there was the sweep by the Yankees in 2004, including the 19-8 loss. Then there was the, uh, the bases loaded in the series against the White Sox and El Duque coming out of the bullpen to strike out Johnny Damon. And, oh, remember they lost to the Rays where they had a bunch of great comebacks, but in the end, David Price gets them out of the jam. Oh, F that guy. And then they collapsed in the bottom of the ninth of the final game against the Angels in the 2009 playoffs. And remember down the stretch in, in 2011 when they had the big, huge lead and they fell apart, ending with a Papelbon meltdown and Carl Crawford trying to dive for the ball. All of those, I bet you forgot. I bet you forgot those. Because... Those don't hurt as much because those hurt at the moment. Of course they hurt at the moment, but they know they did not become a metaphysical moment. They did not become a moment of, of supernatural prevention of victory. It just became Papelbaum wet the bed. It just became... Johnny Damon should have checked his swing. Maybe he did, but he shouldn't have gone for that pitch. It did, they, they don't pile onto each other and ferment. There is no connection emotionally, psychologically, to the Red Sox collapse that day in Baltimore in 2011 and that whole month where they couldn't win a game and blew that big lead. There is absolutely zero connection between that awful month and Bucky Dent, and the 86 World Series, and the 75 World Series, and the 2003 playoffs. There's zero connection. Zero. Because those became moments of frustration of a team that could have won but didn't, instead of the heaping on the ash heap of some regional self-deprecating group of people who don't believe they're worthy of happiness and that this somehow confirms a lot of puritanical bullshit. All that's gone. All that's gone. This would have been the 100th anniversary. Instead, I bet most people didn't even notice the worst thing that could have happened to the Red Sox didn't even notice. I remember when the Cubs won the division in, in uh, 2008. They, they finished, I believe, I'm, I'm, I'm standing outside in the parks, so I'm doing a lot of this from memory. But I do believe they had the best record in the National League. And my boss at the time uh, was a huge, huge Cubs fan. And there was a sense of, they won in 1908. They haven't won since, but here we are, 2008. It's been 100 years. Do you know what? Maybe there's something poetic about it, that 100 years later they won again. And what happened? They got swept by the Los Angeles Dodgers, an inferior Dodger team, 
by all accounts, swept them. And you said, oh my God, it's going to be more than a century. And alas, they finally did win it in 2016 in a spectacular way in that wonderful seventh game against Cleveland. One of the great games I've ever seen in my life. That was a Jason Kipnis foul ball away from being a Cleveland World Championship. And now, whatever failures the Cubs have moving forward will not be compounded with billy goats or black cats or balls through Leon Durham's legs or Bartman or James Loney Grand Slams or any of that horse shit. It's just like last year, they lost to Los Angeles. Well, the Dodgers were a better team. But the Cubs will have another heartbreaking loss, just like the Red Sox have had several heartbreaking losses. But the difference is they exist only for that year now. Once the slate is clean, everything else up until that moment gets wiped out. That's something that Red Sox fans should be so thankful for that happened, and something that Clayton Kershaw should realize is all the frustration that he has had leading up to it will be wiped out the second the Dodgers are the team celebrating on the mound and he contributed to that title. It's about wiping the slate clean emotionally, psychologically, and making it fun. And I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something right here and now, standing outside here in Burbank, California. I can confirm something. When the Red Sox won, one of the things you heard a lot of people say was, and it was even uh, implied in the wonderful HBO documentary that I was in, The Curse of the Bambino, was that the Red Sox fans will miss their identity. They will lose their identity. And they'll miss the curse. They'll just be another team. They'll lose, it. They'll lose the thing that made the team special. And here we are 14 years later, and I could say, what a crock of shit. I love that I don't have to think about that. It's all the other teams. Let me tell you, it's Yankee fans who lost a big chunk of their identity that they can't chant 1918 or strut around like a rooster saying that we win the titles and you don't. Yankees may be a better team on paper, but the Red Sox... They've won the more recent title. 2013, the Yankees haven't even been in a World Series this decade. Let's get on it. Or maybe not. Maybe have the Astros win a few more pennants so they can have an entire decade without the Yankees even appearing in a World Series. Wouldn't that be nice? Victories wipe away a lot of anguish, a lot of torment. It did so for superstars like certainly did for Justin Verlander this last year and certainly did for when you see whenever you see a great player get his ring as a veteran you know it happened with Dave Winfield it happened with Paul Molitor and it can happen with franchises and it can happen with fan bases so I'm standing outside this gorgeous day in Burbank saying someone is being relieved this year Someone's getting off the hook. Someone is getting a weight relieved from their shoulder. It could be a fan base. It could be the Indians. It could be Washington. 
or it could be individual players like Clayton Kershaw, like a Mike Trout, or whichever other superstar just needs the title to beef up their resume. And with that in mind, go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. Just being happy that I don't have to be sad. This has been Sully Baseball for the 19th day of March 2018. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.